This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is usually Professor Richard Gershon. He is out today. I am Liz Gill. Now, to say you're in business, that might be an intimidating thought for some of us. But what if you replaced it with crafter or musician, bass player in a band, or or reseller? What laws do you need to know when starting a small business? And when does a hobby become a business? And I, I... I've got something in the works. So I'm excited about this show. Uh, I just can't contain my enthusiasm. So I have brought along a co-host. Hello to Martin Edwards, University of Mississippi School of Law professor. And you teach business law there. What a great fit. Welcome back to the show, Professor Edwards. Thank you so much for having me back. And it's uh, an honor to be hanging out in the co-host chair. We are so glad to have you. And uh, so, Professor Edwards, would you uh, introduce our guest and play the uh, six degrees of separation, which is really just no degrees? (laughs) (laughs) That is that is absolutely true. It is it is my great pleasure to introduce William Bettis. He's a member of the business services group at Butler Snow in the Ridgeland office. He focuses his practice on corporate finance and securities, organization and capital formation, antitrust consulting and regulatory work, mergers and acquisitions, real estate development and finance, and economic development. He is also a friend of mine. He is part of the illustrious class of 2017 at MC Law that includes my wife, Annie. And I think you were a business association student of the legendary true Professor Edwards at MC Law, Seely Edwards. That is correct. And that, Very good. Well, and that was well, your then, mama? That's correct. That's that's <laughs> my mother. Uh, second generation law professor, uh, as I like to say. Well, and uh, so, William uh, Bettis, we are excited to have you on the show. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, how did you fall into business law? Well, um, how I started in business law, I've always had a passion for business Um, when I was young, played Monopoly a lot of times and said that that's something that I want to do in real life. Um, And in order to play Monopoly in real life, there's at least two things you have to have. Number one, you have to uh, know about business. And more importantly, you need to know the rules of the game. Um, And so in order to know the rules of the game, that is where law uh, comes in. Um, And so that's where my passion lies. um, And I decided to pursue it on our Tuesday at 9 a.m. Previous show money talks. Ryder Taff has is uh, one of the co-hosts and he talked about how he wanted to own stock when he was a little kid and uh, he liked the idea of owning Coca-Cola. And so that's how he got and started in the investment business. So it's it's interesting how your your passions can 
determine your path in life. Right. Right. Okay. So here is my question. (laughs) (laughs) I have always just been an employee and I may or may not be starting a business adventure. And, but when is it, let's start at the very basics. When is a, an endeavor, a business, and when is it a hobby? Well, it, it depends on your intent primarily. Um, so if you are doing something with the intention of creating a profit, then it moves away from just the hobby of something that's just merely enjoyment. Um, so when you do things to kind of minimize your expenses, to maximize your profits in uh, selling um, widgets or gadgets, um, that's one of the factors that the IRS will look at to see, okay, is this a business or is this something that you just do for for your own uh, enjoyment? So if you're if you're doing it just for your own enjoyment, you maybe it's a one-time thing or you're just getting rid of books in your right. house. Do you need to apply for a business number and record yourself with the Secretary of State's office or anything like that? Well, you don't have to record yourself with the Secretary of State's office. But one thing that you would have to do if you're selling products is um with the Department of Revenue, um, for sales tax purposes, you would have to uh, have an ID number um, in in those sales. Ooh, okay, all right. And is that is that something I need to hire an attorney to do? Or you do not. Okay. You do not need to hire an attorney for that. But <laughs> don't but, tell Butler Snow. Yeah, he don't said tell that. him that. But but one thing that you can do: there are a lot of great resources that you can get from um, the IRS.gov. Uh, and also the Department of Revenue in Mississippi uh, has a good website and they talk about when do I have to pay taxes? Um, what do I need to do? Uh, and there's a whole laundry list of things, frequently asked questions that um, you can look at that will provide a good resource for anybody that is thinking um of selling items or selling gadgets or starting a business or moving from that hobby uh, to business, or even if you do have a hobby, um, what do you need to do in those instances? So if you are a crafter or a musician or a a reseller, your first step would be going to the Department of Revenue, Department of Revenue, the IRS, um, and other resources that that might be out there. All right. And so, is there a threshold for when you know I didn't intend to make this a business, mm-hmm. but everybody's going crazy over it? Is there a threshold when it moves from a hobby to mm-hmm. a business? It, that goes back to your intent. Um, and that intent of that you're trying to make a profit. Um, if you're not trying to make a profit and you're just doing it for enjoyment, then um, and you haven't made profits in the past, that's another factor. Um, then it's more likely to not be a business endeavor. But if you made a profit in the past, uh, if you are um, putting things in place to uh, increase that profit, then, you know, if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, you know, um, then it is a duck and it's it's likely a business. All right. 
things things to know. Martin, what uh, uh, have have you done any businessing? Uh, you know, not personally. As I was going to mention, all of my hobbies just cost money. As it turns <laughs> out. Uh, they're not really um, money-making endeavors. Uh, but you mentioned uh, registering with the Secretary of State. There's there's a, sort of a, an, another line. If you're just selling stuff out of your garage, getting rid of old stuff, you know, you probably aren't going to have enormous liability questions. But if you're starting to sell products, um, you know, and, and maybe uh, one question asks is when is it worth? It, you know, not necessarily incorporating. Maybe the limited liability company is the way we go these days. You know, William, when do you tell people, okay, it's time to formalize this thing. It's time to create your LLC. Well, you know, if first you determine that you're going into a business, right? Um, and you you kind of weigh the pros and the cons. Like, are there a lot of risk in the activities that I'm doing? Um, is there a potential that I am doing lawn care services or I'm, I'm going on the roof of somebody's house? I might fall or might break or damage something. Um, in, in those sense, uh, in those situations, if it is, then you want to protect your own personal assets. You want to limit your liability. And a lot of times the best way to do that, apart from just, uh, buying insurance is to form a limited liability company, which will give you a hedge of protection from, claims that uh, another person might have. Um, they would have to sue your business um, if you did it in, the, in your capacity as the business, and they can't come out of a, after your assets. They can only come after the assets that you have put in the business. So if someone maybe were starting a business as a baker, you mm. know, they baked cookies. Right. Uh, there's all kind of allergy things yeah. or, or food handling safe things mm-hmm. that might if they decided to do that as a business, that might be a, a reason to incorporate. Exactly. Um, and in those situations, you'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, it's uh, a lot of times things aren't a problem until they are. But if you thought a, uh, ahead of time and put those things in place, so when those unfortunate eventualities happen, you're, you're protected to the best of your abilities. Well, I am sure Another- we've, Oh, go ahead, uh, Martin. Well, well, I was going to jump in. The bakery example is is a great one about the line between a, a hobby and a business. You know, if you're selling some bakery products from your own kitchen, at what point is the health department or related agencies um, going to start wondering whether you need a, a certificate for your kitchen? Right. Or do you need a, a particular type of, of equipment? That is something we, you know, need to to check in on the what is it the cottage industry <laughs> industry laws to to make sure because you certainly don't want to run afoul of either the health department or the tax man. Exactly. This is in legal terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can hear the whole show on our website. Inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is usually Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, who's out today. I'm Liz Gill. So if you are enjoying this discussion of starting a business, Mr. Bettis was our guest on June 28th. 2022. And Professor Edwards was our guest to discuss contracts on September 5th of 2023. 
I will have the links to those podcasts on this show's information. We are talking about starting a business with our guests, attorney William Bettis from Butler Snow, and my co-host for the show, Professor Martin Edwards from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Uh, So I'm really excited to talk a little bit about the gig economy, right? A lot of people maybe picking up up some Uber rides or uh, dashing some DoorDash. Uh, what do you need to think about if, if you're going to dive into that gig economy, if you're going to try to do it as a side gig or you're going to try to become a, a full-time DoorDasher or something like that? Well, you know, there, there are several things. The first thing to know is that the money that you receive from the gig that you do, whether it's Uber, DoorDash, um, it's taxable. Um, which means that you have to pay taxes on it. Um, and it's also important to know your um, classification. Uh, and when I say classification, are you an independent contractor or are you an, empl- an employee? Um, because that will determine different tax, uh, whether you have to pay certain taxes on. Um, that. I think Uber and Lyft have not decided that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so those are certain things that you definitely have to think about. But Number one, um, it's taxable. Uh, but number two is um, important for you to keep good records of the income that you uh, that you receive from it, your expenses um, um, when you're doing uh, such a job. What's the the point where you say, and maybe this is more if you are doing repair work around people's house or you've taken to cleaning 10 or 12 houses over the the course of each month, at what point do they need to come see William Bettis and say, hey, um, you know, am I doing this right? Do I need to start that LLC? Do Mm -hmm. I need to to do something else? Well, you know, I I think whenever you kind of started a business or, or thinking about doing a business, uh, the first thing that I think you have to do is do some research. Um, that research can come from um, the Internal Revenue Code, Small Business uh, Association uh, Administration, um, and other places. And once you've done that, then you know, uh, at least have a background knowledge of the things that you potentially need to do. So um, you not only need to be good at what you're Get, hoping to get paid for, mm-hmm. you, you need to do a little bit of homework. Right, right. And so once you do that homework of, you know, the the what you're doing, you come to me um, when it's time for formation um, or you come to an attorney that does business trans, transactional law uh, when it's time for hiring, when it's time for raising money, when it's time for entering contracts, when you have questions, just random questions of like, can a man do this? And um, for compliance help. So those are those main times that you would need an attorney at the beginning. Um, and whenever you're just entering into any commercial agreement with anybody else to make sure that it's airtight and, um, you know, you can do business effectively. I love the stories that you hear of the gal who invented Spanx or the gal who invented gibbets, those little plastic things that people put in the Crocs, you know, or, you know, someone who started their bakery out of their kitchen. They just like to make cookies, but they had the best cookie recipe and the best technique. And then it just got bigger and bigger, bigger. So at some point, not only 
if you're good at whatever people are want to give you money for, yeah. that you just have to become good at business. You right. have to start keeping the records. Mm-hmm. And do people just do that on software? Do they just paper? <laughs> well, you know, you know, you have different software. You got QuickBooks, but then you also have people that can help you. Um, and hiring an accountant, hiring an attorney, uh, knowing a banker. And, uh, that's one thing that I think is important for anybody that's kind of starting a business. And this kind of dovetails into, um, having a plan is knowing the people that will be involved in your business endeavor, knowing that you have that accountant that can make sure that you pay those taxes or withhold those taxes. If you have an employee, knowing that you have an attorney to look over your contracts, or if you're thinking about raising money, that you do that in a compliance law without tripping over problems that might happen in the future and um, having that banker. So whenever you need to raise money from traditional means, um, you you have that in place. So having those people uh, is you can do things by yourself, uh, but sometimes relying on others expertise can expedite the process um, and can give you a little bit of security. Well, and I I. Everybody thinks of themselves as like the twenty a twenty year old. I don't know. People remember themselves in whatever they feel was their best time. Once again, I think I'm the oldest person uh, in this in this area. And one thing that just kind of shocked and amazed me was Nanny Gate. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't know if many people remember the Clinton administration, but he went to go appoint a an attorney general, and it was a woman, and she was a mama, and they had a nanny, and they hadn't been paying Social Security, and they hadn't been hold, withholding taxes for their employee. So you may be a business person and not even know it. Yeah. What, what, what do these people who... You know, I think there's a threshold. Is there a threshold for when you have to start uh, withholding in paying taxes for an employee of yours, a, a, a housekeeper, a, a, a lawn person or a, a nanny? Yeah, 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 there is. Um, and one thing that you would kind of have to think about, and, and I mentioned this before, is the classification of the people that are, are, are doing the work. Um, whether they are an independent contractor um, where you would just provide them, you know, a 1099 or, or, or a statement of income um, that that's paid to them or whether they are an employee. Um, uh, and if they're an employee, then you would have to disclose, uh, well, not disclose, you would have to withhold a certain amount um and you would have to uh, pay certain amount for 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 their taxes. So um, once you make that determination, and that determination a lot of times can be made with the help of attorneys um, on a case by case basis, and with an accountant with helping with the actual remittance of or withholding of funds. Um, but once you do that, then you you'll be able to. Um, be a little bit more sure about not being in a situation where you're in the nanny gate uh, situation because you have those resources, those people that can help navigate those situations as you're doing your business. And I guess that you'd also uh, need to, you know, we're not in, we're not advising anybody to skirt the law, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) but some people might want to get paid in cash and, 
that's that's a that's an ethical and you take care of you decision if you wanted to employ someone right. who didn't want to be paid on the books. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, anybody have any comments about that? Well, the decision over whether someone's an employee or independent contractor, as we were talking about a minute ago, is one that even uh, your Ubers and your DoorDashes of the world tend to still be fighting over. Um, but trying to one of the, the most troublesome things you can get into is uh, misclassifying a person that works for you, especially if you're in a business or uh, failing to pay your taxes. There's almost nothing worse. Oh, I wish Professor Gershon were here. We could we could talk about un, uh, self imp- or uh, imp- withholding taxes. <laughs> You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon, Gershon is our expert host. Usually, I am Liz Gill, and we do hope you'll subscribe to our podcast, or you can find MPB Think Radio recordings on the website mpbonline.org slash radio. So the Mississippi Secretary of State's office has a web page, Y'all Business, uh, Mississippi Business Information Center. So if you go to their main website, sos.ms.gov, it's an easy click to their resource center on how to start a business. I'll have that link on this show's page. But we've been talking about a couple of links, so I'll have the Mississippi Department of Revenue and the IRS.gov, which everybody needs to be going there Mm -hmm. right now anyway, because your taxes are coming up. And the Secretary of State's office is also a fantastic website because we've got primary elections on the 12th. Did you know that? We've got primary uh, elections for our re- Republican and Democratic uh, presidential candidates, our uh, congressional candidates, and I think there's like a, a Delta Levy commissioner or something that, that other, some people are voting on. But so too late to register to vote, to vote in the primaries if you haven't already registered. But if you register now, you can vote if there's a runoff. And you certainly will be able to vote in November at the general elections because who doesn't want to not vote for president? I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) That's a different topic. Let's go to the phones and talk to Fletch in Ridgeland. Fletch, we're so glad you called in. What's your comment or question? Yeah, Liz, that topic would be for maybe the Fix It show. Um, <laughs> and it, hey, hey, mark the tape. Y'all are always teaching me something. Y'all just taught me that the gig economy, I thought it meant Internet gigabyte. I didn't meet, I didn't realize it meant side gig, side hustle. That's well, it. That's it. If you, you, if you, got, you got your gigs like your music gigs mm-hmm. or something, you got a gig. Yep. All right. So my question is, if you are going into business like a – Self-employed stuff, maybe plumber, maybe a, a roofer, maybe a, a, a tree trimmer. What is, well, I guess, what is required and what is just common sense? License, bonding, certification, what's the difference? What's required? What's, what's smart? 
Well, well, pretty much everything you just said, you know, you want to make sure you have. You definitely want to make sure that you have insurance um, because if something happens on, on the premises, then that's a way that you can pay. Um, the insurance can pay without you having a big expense all at once. Um, but also you probably want to, as we talked about before, um, create a entity that can give you a, a, a protection or hedge against somebody coming out after you personally. Um, but it uh, also goes back to, to what we said. Uh, if you're doing plumbing or if you're doing roof or construction work of doing that research uh, to see um, are there any particular requirements or is this industry regulated? Uh, and if they are, a lot of times or the, the entities that regulates it will have on their websites the requirements of the things that you need to do to, to be in compliance with the law. So so I would I would start with that in whatever industry you are in. See who regulates that. Go to their website and um, kind of create like a checklist um, and, and go from there. Would you, is there a difference between uh, bonding and insurance, or is that essentially the same thing? Um, you know, I, I think it's the same thing uh, of, of just making sure that you have enough. Uh, sometimes there's requirements for you to have enough insurance to cover a potential cost or, or damages that, that uh, might arise if, if, if something's at fault. Okay. Yeah, but a, a, a bond is a, a situation. Uh, yeah, a bond is is a uh, something very similar to insurance, where you pay some money in advance, and then there's kind of an amount that is set aside for any particular type of loss that that it, 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 instead of saying, "Well, I'm good for the money," it says someone else is is good for the money. Is essentially the long and short of it. And um, over and above whether there's legal requirements for licenses and bonds and insurance, which there are in a lot of cases. Um, that's also a good business, just a good business thing to do. If you can tell customers, just like you said, I'm licensed, I'm bonded, I'm insured, uh, you're doing business with, you know, myself and my company. Uh, a lot of customers are going to like that a lot. Yeah, I whenever I want to hire someone, I like to look to see if they're a member of any professional association. Not only would you be reassured they're not just a fly-by-night mm-hmm. kind of person if you do have any problems that maybe you, you learn that they've been in business for a little while. Fletch, thanks so much. We appreciate that call. You'll also find that if you're doing certain types of skilled trade work, like you're a plumber or you're an electrician, um, you're going to do some jobs where you're going to need a permit from a city or a county. And a lot of times the city and county permitting offices, wherever you may be, might not allow you to pull a permit unless you have the proper licensing uh, that you and, and training that you need to have. So that's yet another reason uh, to be able to, to take those jobs. And not to take anything away from authoritative bodies like the Department of Revenue or the IRS or the Mississippi Secretary of States, would you, uh, William, would you think it would be a good idea to join a professional association or a 
Facebook group of people who do something just so you can learn from other people who have been in that situation? Yeah, that's 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 a perfect idea um, to do that. Um, there's there's we, we live in the information age, so there's so many things out there. Um, and as Martin was saying, sometimes there's organizations or associations that just they, they'll give uh, a, a lot of resources to people so that they can do things like what is the best practice in this or whether it's not even from a legal standpoint, but from just a business decision standpoint of this is something you'll hear from other people of this is something that I've done. This is what worked. And being able to get that information from from resources uh, is always good. So it, which goes back to the research part, uh, making sure you do your research whenever you uh, enter in, decide to enter into a business. And remembering that you're responsible for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't tell. Well, William, I, I'd like to, to shift into something here. We've been talking a lot about the solo entrepreneur, the inventor. Uh, but one of my favorite things, particularly about teaching the business associations class, is thinking about what to do when two or more people want to go into business together. So how do you handle that situation when instead of we having one entrepreneur, maybe we have two or three people who find yeah. that they work well together and they've got a great idea? Uh, what do you what do you tell them? Uh, I tell them you definitely need an entity of form an entity, number one. But you also have to have a meeting of the minds where everybody knows what is going to happen in this endeavor that we're going to do or, or, or participate in. Um, and there's different types of way that you can form those entities that do, that does that. You could form it as uh, a, a general partnership, but, you know, you have unlimited liability. You could form it like an LLC or you could form it as a corporation. And if you form entities as a partnership, LLC or corporation, there a lot of times are documents, organizational documents, which set forth the rights of the owners, um, the responsibility of the owners. How do you determine? whether you're going to do one thing or not, voting decisions, who gets the profits, how much of the profits you get. Um, and so that's one thing that I would you know, tell them to, number one, come up with terms of how you think this is going, you're going to engage in this business, the rights of other people. Come to an attorney. The attorney can talk about um, the type of entity formation and then we'll draft those documents that make sure that, you know, you'll understand what happens if one of the uh, Lord forbids one of the partners dies or, you know, um, how do you treat their ownership interests? And so that's the first first thing to kind of do is to come to uh, come to an agreement, a meeting of minds and come to an attorney. Um, to help navigate that. Uh, it's a lot more difficult when you have more than one person in the business than otherwise. Um, so it's, it's good to get somebody uh, like an attorney to kind of help navigate that situation. Well, we're talking about starting a business and, you know, we had we've had lots of different legal professionals on our show. And when we've had an attorney who addresses estate planning and wills, you know, someone said, hey, here's a form where I can fill out online and draft my own will. Is that legal and is it uh, a good idea? Uh, those two things may be, may be yeah. different. It may be legal, but it may not be a good idea. Right. What would you say if someone said, oh, hey, I saw this website. It's 
craftyourownbusinessplan.org. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that that's a website. I just made that up. But what would you say if someone suggested that? I, I would tell them, I would, I would warn them against that <laughs> uh, because each person's situation is a little bit different. Um, and you want whatever documents you have to fit better on you. You want it to be tailor made. Um, and having somebody that practiced law in that particular area um, that have seen situations of how people work together or do not work together can help form you form a, a document for you that can navigate those situations of doing business with other people. Ooh, I'm 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 liking this. I think my business plan. I think I'm going to need to bring in some more stakeholders. <laughs> I, I like the idea of uh, of having having a people, having a posse. I may have to investigate that a little bit more for for my endeavor. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any part of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. Our host is usually Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. He's out today. I am Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. And as I did mention earlier, at 9 a.m., we've got Money Talks with Dr. Nancy Lottridge Anderson and Ryder Taft from New Perspectives, talking about what you could do with all this money that you're going to be making from your new business. Now, I have no idea if there are any proposed changes to the business laws in our state uh, from this legislative session, but you can find out yourself. Listen to the MPB News Program at Issue. It airs Fridays at 6.30 on MPB Think Radio throughout the legislative session. There will be additional content on the Mississippi Public Broadcasting YouTube channel. Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones will have weekly recaps and roundtable discussions about current issues. And don't forget to listen throughout the week to Will Stribling. He is MPB's news legislative reporter. And we get our little legislative updates uh, from Will throughout the week. We are talking about starting a business with our guest, Attorney William Bettis, and my co-host, Professor Martin Edwards. At the end of our our last segment, we were talking about uh, a business plan. What are some things, if, if you are by yourself or if you've decided to form a business with other people, what are some things that would be on a business plan? Well, if, if you're developing a business plan, a lot of times what you would have is an overview of the industry, uh, at the least. Um, and in that overview of the industry, you would know who your competitors are. Um, you would know what trends have been going on in the industry, different opportunities that are there. Um, you would also conduct uh, a, 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 what they call a squad analysis. You look at your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and threats and going into a particular market. You would have a budget, a budget of looking at how much, what my expenses are. Um, when do I project to potentially have a profit? Um, and how are, how am I going to take steps to start earning a profit as a business? And so all of those things, 
would be in the business plan. Not only that, marketing plan, um, how you're going to market your business uh, to others so that you can start to generate those revenues. So those are just a few things that you um, would see in the business plan. And another good resource that a person can get uh, is the SBA.gov, smallbusinessadministration.gov. They'll have um, information on things that you can put in a business plan or have in a business plan and just steps to help you along the way. Awesome. And, and I'll just add um, that when you're talking about small business, which you know we, we are when someone is turning their hobby into a business or a group of friends or starting a business, the lines between personal finance and business finance uh, get a little bit close. And uh, as Willie mentioned, you may not expect to turn a profit in a year, in two years. When do you expect to break even? Uh, that's a question that you have to ask uh, before you decide to leave your current employment or leave your current money-making situation uh, to get into to your new business. So you never want to forget about that personal side either, uh, which is, is why you need a William Bettis who kind of exemplifies what I try to get my business students to be, someone who not only knows the law but knows the business. So let's recap some of what we've learned from uh, this hour. Uh, the the difference between a hobby and a business starts with your determination of whether you're trying to get a profit or not. All right. See, and you know there. So if it's a a not, can you have a not for profit business, or is that like a whole different animal? Well, you you can have a non for profit well <laughs> uh, entity that that yeah, you form, entity. okay, uh, um, and that is um, it's 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 in its name. You're not doing it for a profit. You're doing it to serve a purpose, um, uh, whether it's charity, educational, and other things like that. So you can you can have that and form that, um, and it's good to. Um, you know, the IRS has information of kind of different forms that you might have to fill, fill out and, and, and comply with if, if you decide to go that path. So a not-for-profit doesn't have to be a charity. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a uh, a charity, so to speak, but uh, a not-for-profit, th- there's a, a definition that they have for um different activities that would fall under that non-for-profit status. Uh, but if you are going to um, take donations um, um, from other people, then in Mississippi, you have to register as a charity with at the Secretary of State. And so there's other things that you would have to consider um, in that process if you're going to take money or if you're not going to take, take, take money or donations um, in, in forming whatever that entity is. I'm still just, uh, this is all about me. I'm still thinking about uh, what, what I've got in mind. And if you, so even charities, if they collect sales tax, they have to, if they sell something, they have to collect sales tax. If, if it's not, if, it, yes, if they're, if they're selling something, they have to collect sales tax. Okay. Now, if you're, if you're doing something that is, is not based off of your, um, your, your mission or your purpose, then you definitely have have different tax consequences that you or, or things that you need to do. 
whenever you decide to do something like that, or if you're thinking about that, that's the perfect time to talk to a tax attorney and to talk to your accountant, um, because there are a lot of intricacies and details that they will be able to help parse out in that situation. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a cookie cutter approach uh, that, that you can take, but having somebody that can help walk you through those discussions um, or decisions uh, will be definitely be beneficial. Okay, I had the Mickey There's Mouse. Several. I had the Mickey Mouse question, uh, P- Professor Edwards. You had a higher level question you wanted to end the show with. Yeah. So um, one of the things that maybe most people don't know about is if you want to bring on investors in your business, other than just you or the the people that you're finding, maybe you did invent that next. Uh, spanks in your garage or something like that, and and you're going to take on outside investors, uh, you have to deal with the securities laws. And um, the securities laws are fairly rigid. They can get you in a lot of trouble. So uh, I'll put this one to William. If you've got a client who says, all right, I've got this great idea. I've sold a bunch of them. And now I want to, maybe I don't want to go on Shark Tank, but I want to go to some some local sharks and see if I can get some investment. Uh, what do we have to do to not run afoul of the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, not the football one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first first thing, whenever you're selling, knowing what a security is, uh, uh a security there's a definition for security called an investment contract which is pulling of money uh, with the expectation of a profit based off of the efforts of others so if you are going to be um giving somebody an expectation of profit, you're going to take in their money. You say, hey, y'all don't have to do anything. I'm going to do it for you. Then you're selling a security, which could look like a stock, which could look like a membership interest, which could be a note or other things like that. Um, And the federal government and the state government regulates the sale of those securities and how they regulate it. They say you have to register or fall under an exemption. So registration Registration is disclosing a certain amount of information about your company um, so that other people can be informed of whether they should invest or not. Um, And there are some exemptions for that uh, from that registration process, which could be a, you know, is a, a document that you have to compile, which is very costly and time consuming. There's exemptions and those exemptions exist for um, people that the government deem can fend for themselves. And so we would look for exemptions that a company could rely on when selling. So one exemption could be selling only to accredited investors, people that have over a certain net worth. And then there's other exemptions, which are uh, limited offering exemptions, where if it's just a few people within the same state, um, um, they can all, and it's a limited, limited amount of people that are investing, then they can invest. But before you take a dollar, it is very, very important because it can get a little, uh, tricky to talk to a attorney that practices securities law because they can help navigate you, uh, in, in, in that process and think about things that you might not have thought about. Um, and, you know, keep you afoul from the big government coming down your, <laughs> coming down to get you. <laughs> well, folks, y'all couldn't see because we're on the radio, but he leaned in and he's getting serious yeah. now. So <laughs> I think that the takeaways from the show is look for authoritative information on your endeavor. Think about it. Do your homework. Do your research. And you can't go wrong getting advice from a business attorney. 
Would you say that's fair? I think that's right. <laughs> oh, William Bettis from Butler Snow will have your contact information on this show's page. Thank you so much for being part of our show today. Thanks for having me. And Professor Martin Edwards from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Thank you so much for being my buddy co-host today. I appreciate it. Always great to be here. Thank you. So that's going to wrap us up. You know, it takes a whole big crew to do our show. We appreciate uh, Charles Arnold uh, and our intern. Miriam. Miriam, that's right. It was on the tip of my tongue. And Abram is our podcast producer and engineer. This is In Legal Terms. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.